It's time to sip coffee and talk pharmacy. Welcome back to another episode of Pharmacy and Coffee. To our returning listeners, thank you so much for your continuing support. And if you're new to this channel, welcome. This is a pharmacy-based podcast where we, the pharmacists, discuss a variety of topics from which we hope to educate, motivate, and inspire, as well as to move our profession forward. I'm your co-host, Dr. Monique Theriot, and with me are my co-hosts, Drs. Tuskia Hassan. Hi, everyone. And Farouz Siraj. Hello, everybody. As always, we are a group of Canadian community pharmacists located in different parts of British Columbia, bringing you a cup of knowledge. So this is going to be a very special episode as we're wrapping up Pharmacy Appreciation Month, also known as PAM. You may have noticed some pharmacy students or other pharmacy teams putting on various events over the last month, such as education fairs or presentations, online seminars. In the years previous, they've given out pharmacy buttons. This is all to celebrate PAM. As pharmacists ourselves, we too wanted to appreciate the profession. So in this episode, we'll be talking about the history of pharmacy, how pharmacy practice has evolved, and the impact that pharmacists are currently making. So I want to start off by mentioning some reasons that have really stood out in the last year for which we appreciate our pharmacists and the pharmacy team. Pharmacists have stepped up to make sure you get health care when everything has shut down or has become very difficult to access. We hear all the time from patients how COVID has made it difficult to see their doctors or even to get a phone call through to them. This reiterates what we often say on this podcast. Pharmacists are the most accessible healthcare professional. We step in during these exact moments to provide the best help we can. Your pharmacy often plays the middleman in reaching physicians, and where possible, your pharmacist provides you with the care necessary at that moment, which includes a lot of information. During this pandemic, pharmacists have renewed chronic medications hundreds of times for patients when they couldn't see their physician. This is not an emergency supply we're talking about. It's an actual renewal for anywhere between one to three months up to the pharmacist's discretion. This takes a lot of burden and stress off of both patients and physicians. Then there's the fact that pharmacists are stepping up to ramp up immunization during a pandemic. Finally, something people don't often realize is that pharmacists spent a lot of time reassuring people when the pandemic first hit. No one knew what was going on and everyone wanted information on what to expect with this new virus and how they could protect themselves. Though pharmacists didn't have any extra information about a brand new virus, they did their best to stay up to date and provide information and comfort. Now, these are just some of the more recent reasons that we appreciate our pharmacy teams and want to spread the love. We also wanted to touch on how far pharmacy has come. Uh, So just talk a little bit about the history of pharmacy itself. So the word pharmacy is derived from the Greek word pharmakia, which loosely translates to the use of drugs, medicines, potions, spells, poisons, or witchcraft to remedy your cure. Do you ever feel like a witch at work? (laughs) Ah, sometimes, sometimes, but not quite that cool. (laughs) So the practice of pharmacy has been around for thousands of years, using plants as a source of medicine. Uh, Some examples of medications used today have plant origins. Uh, Aspirin is derived from the willow bark. Digoxin, which is used to help regulate heartbeat, was derived from digitalis. 
Quinine used to treat malaria came from cinchona bark. Uh, Some mushrooms are even a source of statins, which is a medication used to lower cholesterol in the blood. And paclitaxel, an anti-cancer drug, was derived from the yew tree. So the practice of pharmacy is quite old, and the name has evolved as much as the practice throughout the years. Back in the day, the word used to describe individuals who worked with plants and turned them into medicines was actually apothecary. So the first apothecary in Canada was Louis Hébert. He set up shop in Port Royal in 1605. This didn't last very long as Port Royal was destroyed seven years later. Not exactly a promising start to pharmacy in Canada. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> uh, for quite some time, the number of pharmacists in this country were few. On top of that, medicines had to be made or compounded. Compared to today, the medications available were also few in number and were variable in both quality and availability. So the top treatments in 1795 were opium, senna, aloes, tartar, cinchona, licorice, mercurials, jalap, and blistering agents. All right, so the first one, opium, that one's pretty straightforward. What do you think that one was used for? Pain, pain, pain. Yeah, senna. To help you go. <laughs> yeah, it's a laxative. Cinchona? Oh, you said, uh, what was it? Malaria? Nice. And licorice. I have no idea. It's a laxative, yeah. Uh, mercurials. I feel like I should know this, but I don't. <laughs> Mercury was actually used back in the day as one of the first effective ways to treat syphilis. Oh, yeah. That that rings a bell <laughs> now. Uh, jalap. It's not jalapeno. It's 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 a it's a different plant. I can only think of jalapenos, but um I don't know. Yeah, it's laxative. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one is not used as a laxative. It's a blistering agent. Uh, skin-related issues, maybe? Are we blistering things on the skin? Yes, intentionally. Back in the day, Ah. they used to blister the skin for the purpose of being able to drain the pus because that was a medical treatment. How things have (laughs) changed. (laughs) So yeah, pharmacy has come a very long way. Um, Things have worked slow to progress in Canada It wasn't until 1907 that the Canadian Pharmaceutical Association was actually established. Uh, So which brings us back to today in our current roles. So what is the current role of community pharmacists? So let's start by clarifying the following. Pharmacists do not just count pills and package pills. We are not your insurance brokers. We aren't salespeople either. Actually, we tend to have to do all these jobs, but that's just you know, simultaneously with our real job, which is to be medication experts. And what we do is assess drug therapy. Well said, Tiskia. So how do we actually do this? Well, let me spill the beans here for you guys. You heard it first from us. So let's go. Necessary, effective, safe, and adherence, abbreviated to NESA, is our stepwise process that we follow when we assess your drug therapy. Starting with necessary, we ask ourselves, is the medication that was prescribed to you necessary to treat your condition? Now, most of you may think, well, of course, yes, it must be. Otherwise, why would I be prescribed this? 
In most cases, yes, with your signs and symptoms and diagnosis, the prescribed medication is necessary or needed to treat your ailment. This is not always the case. Let me explain with an example. One of the most common drugs prescribed after a patient has a myocardial infarction or heart attack is a dual antiplatelet therapy where two blood thinners are prescribed simultaneously for a designated period of time, say six months to one year, after which only one will continue. Therefore, the dual antiplatelet therapy is unnecessary after that time frame. And if continued, it can increase risk of bleeds. So having a diagnosis allows me to determine if the drug is necessary to treat the patient's ailment. Next, is the medication prescribed at the current dose and regimen effective? Here, based on your signs and symptoms and diagnosis, I will evaluate if the prescribed dose and regimen of the medication will be effective in treating your ailment. Let me give you a classic example. So a parent brings a prescription for amoxicillin suspension for their child. This is an antibiotic. I'll ask the parent the following questions about their child. What are the allergies? What kind of infection does the prescriber suspect it is? What is the weight of the child? Very important about the weight because amoxicillin is dose based on weight. If I determine that dose is off and I'm comfortable, I will adapt it and change it to the appropriate one so that the dose is effective in curing the infection. Next, we look to see if the drug at the dose and regimen prescribed is safe for the patient. This is where I'll look to see if there are documented true allergies to this medication or components of the medication. If the dose is too high or the regimen is too short or if there are drug-drug interactions that I should be concerned about or even if there is drug-disease interactions that may make taking this medication unsafe. If I do determine that the prescribed therapy is unsafe for the patient for any of the reasons that, that I mentioned above, I will intervene in some way. Either call the prescriber to recommend a change or if I can, I'll adapt and make the change myself. Lastly, I'll look to see if the patient can actually take this medication. This is where if a barrier that will prevent the patient from receiving this prescription, such as, you know, like cause, inability to swallow a tablet or capsule exists, I might have to suggest alternatives or have the prescriber submit a special authority to get that medication covered. Or if I feel comfortable, again, adapt it and change the formulation myself. So, in a nutshell, Necessary, effective, safe, and adherence abbreviated NESA is our thought process where it comes to assessing your drug therapy. Now, as a practicing pharmacist, I have gotten used to doing this much, much faster, especially faster than I'm speaking right now, while simultaneously being interrupted by phone calls and questions. Now, as I mentioned above, I do run into issues from time to time, so I do appreciate you, especially when you give me time to work this out properly. Because after all, really, it is your health and well-being that we're talking about here. Nespa? Uh, oui, oui. <laughs> so, uh, let's review responsibilities that pharmacists have actually now acquired over time because of how the profession has evolved. And I'm going to be talking about British Columbia in particular because that's where the three of us are currently practicing. So, um, in 2008... Pharmacists um, gained the ability to do adaptations. This includes doing things like changes to the prescription, which could include changing the dose, the regimen, or the formulation of the medication. We can do renewals, which is 
basically straightforward. We can renew medications for a certain amount of time um, that we deem appropriate as long as it fits some conditions. And we can also do substitutions for certain drugs. So say a medication isn't covered for a patient, um, if there is an appropriate drug in the same class of medications that would be covered by their insurance, then we have the ability to substitute uh, that particular drug. Then in 2009, pharmacists began administering flu shots. Yes, this didn't happen until 2009, would you believe it? And this all happened because of the fear surrounding H1N1 that was happening at that time. In 2011, we got a prescribing rights for smoking cessation. So that became a huge thing, very helpful because we are out there in the community helping people quit smoking. And we also got the ability to conduct medication reviews. This is where pharmacists will sit down with their patients and have a thorough review of the drugs that they're on, all their uh, medical conditions, and see if there are currently any existing issues with them, like side effects that uh, haven't been resolved or unmet needs still. Just things like that, that the pharmacist can then um, follow up with the doctor about. Um, And then in 2012, pharmacists began administering publicly funded vaccines and immunizations. Once again, leading from our ability to administer flu shots, uh, pharmacists have become a mainstay in just providing a lot of vaccines. So it should be noted that there are differences in pharmacist scope of practice between the different provinces and territories within Canada in terms of what pharmacists are allowed to do. So the most progressive in terms of pharmacist scope of practice would be Alberta. They can actually prescribe certain medications, ask for lab values, and even inject Botox. In comparison, Pharmacists in Nunavut don't have the ability to even inject the yearly flu shot, which to most of us in Canada would be unthinkable. So just goes to show you how there is a large uh, discrepancy between the different provinces and territories in the nation. Bottom line for where the profession is right now is that pharmacists are the link that allows patients to receive the most optimal and safe therapy because these healthcare professionals are trained to know the best drug choices and dosing based on diagnosis. Before a medication goes out to the patient, the pharmacist contacts the prescriber about anything they think can be optimized. Or, if within the pharmacist's scope of practice, pharmacists can make the appropriate changes to ensure their patient still gets timely treatment. So the last year has been really challenging. Uh, It has come with a few highlights and accomplishments that are definitely worth celebrating. In particular, in BC, last year alone, there were 1.4 million flu shots giving, period. Of the 1.4 million, over a million were given by pharmacists alone. So it was basically the majority of flu shots this year were done by pharmacists. Uh, Most recently, uh, regulated techs have gotten the right to help prepare COVID shots when it does get out to our pharmacies. Uh, Some pharmacies in Vancouver Coastal Health Region are now going to get access to lab values, which is amazing. Uh, Despite everything that's been going on over the last year, a lot of pharmacies have continued to have and provide clinical services such as uh, diabetes, the migraine consultations, uh, even travel vaccination clinics are still going on. 
what exactly is it going to look like with the the next COVID-19 reality? We don't really know. Even so, we're still preparing. A lot of pharmacies are getting ready to roll out the COVID vaccine. Uh, we're just waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's coming. So it's awesome. And when that does happen, let's all remember to, you know, be nice to each other. <laughs> okay. Moving right along. Um, pros of pharmacy from our personal perspective. So for me as a pharmacist, there are many things that I truly appreciate about my job. One of the most important example is my team. I'm actually extremely lucky to be part of a pharmacy team where there's plenty of overlaps between pharmacists, where the team is really well trained and, and it's it's really cool. And when we do have issues, you know, we do manage it effectively. And really what's cool is that our patients actually see the difference when they come to our pharmacy. They get that extra care that they need. And this is only possible because having, you know, more than one pharmacist on shift at the same time. And, and I love it when patients get that time and care because that's really what it's all about, right? Um, for you guys, what do you guys appreciate about your team? Um, personally, I love working with my team because everyone just works so in sync. Everyone knows exactly what their role is. And, you know, when one person runs into any kind of trouble, someone else will step in right away to try and bridge that gap. And, uh, like our kind of team philosophy is that we do what we need to do to get the patient to where they want to go with whatever help they need. Um, so it's just a very great atmosphere to work with to, you know, see people who really t- go the extra mile to help patients. Mm-hmm. Pretty much what you both have said, um, my team, like some days I feel like I would take a bullet for them. We've been through so much together that it has made me want to defend them and like stick up to them and, and whenever mm-hmm. there's like really tough issues that we're facing together yeah uh, completely. Mm-hmm. yeah um the last point that you said for is about having um like a lot of team members on the shift that's together at the same time i really appreciate that because it's mm-hmm. it's great to when you come across a new problem you can bounce the problem off of each other and you can all chime in and and together we're able to yeah. be able to figure that situation out. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know like uh, we also have like uh, groups, group chats. Yeah. So even if it's a weekend where we're just by ourselves, we kind of message each other or even call each other and text each other to like, you know, help each other out. As we say, teamwork does make the dream work. Um, there are other things that I do appreciate about my job, you know, um, especially when patients appreciate what I do and you know see that I'm going the extra length just makes makes me keep coming back for more kind of thing okay one other pro of being a community pharmacist from my personal perspective is working in collaboration with other healthcare professionals that are like-minded so migraine care is one of the consult services that I provide at the pharmacy this is where I see a patient that suffers from migraine and that's not at their goal Uh, What I do in this uh, service is I educate the patient and I optimize their migraine management therapy to hopefully reduce the frequency and or severity of their migraine. The service is quite new, but one of the family physicians, Dr. Walter Chow, shout out to Dr. Walter Chow from Victoria, BC, with whom I had chance to do collaborative webinars about migraine management and teaching other pharmacists and other healthcare professionals. So he gave me a patient referral. 
um, I met the patient within a, a week or a couple of days, I think. And um, I sent in my consult summary with recommendations. Uh, in a few months, I'll follow up to see how the patient's going. But these are the kind of collaborative approach, you know, makes makes it really fun where the other healthcare professional knows what I'm doing or doing something new or exciting that can help somebody down the road. So it's really cool to have that. Uh, what are some other pros for you guys? Anything else? I love the random questions that I get phoned with. Mm-hmm. Give me an example. Patient is failing on one type of antidepressant. How do you switch them over to another antidepressant? And just like the the physician is working at home and doesn't have access to their resources. So that that was one that I think we used both RX files and SwitchRx to figure out. Nice. Using those resources to get things done. <laughs> Look at that. What about you, Tiskia? Any Anything else? No, just... Uh similarly to what Monique was saying like when you get questions from physicians and you know you kind of work together to find what's the best for a patient that's very rewarding so those are good moments where we appreciate each other as professions as a pharmacist in the community pharmacy there are definitely things that I want nay need to see improve Um, And one of the things definitely is the expanded scope of practice to meet that of Alberta's, which is leading the country right now. So good job, Berta. Now, if the health ministry is listening, which is super cool, and thank you so much for your support, (laughs) let me explain why. Let me explain to you guys why an expanded scope of practice would be great for the residents of BC. Yes, we are the most accessible healthcare professional. Yes, we are the drug experts. But we pharmacists, now doctors of pharmacy, when we graduate, get our license and show up to practice with an incredible vast amount of knowledge, like stupid amount of knowledge, uh, what we find ourselves uh, is that because of our limited scope, we can't use it to help patients, even though we are confident and we know we can. And I understand there's like logistics that needs to be done in the background, like giving us access to lab work, which again, I hear is coming soon, which is nice. But allowing pharmacists to get on that next level would save money and help patients benefit greatly. Like, give me, let me give you an example of what happens when we graduate. Say you have this brand new iPhone, okay? iPhone 12 Pro or 13 Pro, whatever the Pro the thing is now. You have this, the newest iPhone. You go ahead and you get it. You pay a lot of money for it. And then you start to use it. But you don't have Wi-Fi. You don't have data. You don't have any apps. This is how I feel in the pharmacy, okay? I have the newest iPhone, but I can't do anything besides call. And that's the same analogy that we have. We have all this knowledge, but all we do, all we can do is dispense most of the time. The other things that we want to do, well, we don't get paid for it. Just think about it. Now that nurses are being able to prescribe uh, safe supply for narcotics, which is amazing, uh, we the pharmacists are the only ones and we are the only drug experts, by the way, who cannot prescribe anything in BC, even for minor ailments. I mean, even naturopaths can prescribe actual prescription medication in BC and they study homeopathy. I would do a mic drop here, but my mic is super expensive and I'm super poor, so I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm still thinking about your iPhone analogy because I can see how only being able to use the call function would totally suck because don't call me i don't answer calls text me i only answer texts so call is useless (laughs) 
Just going into our call to action now for you, the public, is that if you do see the value that your pharmacist and your pharmacy team brings and how they have served the community in the roughest of times, then you probably see value in the work your pharmacy does. Appreciate your pharmacy and don't hesitate to speak up for expanding the scope of practice for pharmacists such that we may significantly improve our service and patient care. Our call to action for our fellow healthcare professionals out there. Interprofessional collaboration is key in healthcare. As healthcare professionals, advocating for your pharmacist colleagues to be able to do more can improve the field. If pharmacists had access to lab values, we could confidently recommend specific over-the-counter medications such as iron supplements to patients. This is an issue we run into daily. We all want the best for our patients, and working together in tandem can allow us to achieve that. Now, our call to action for our pharmacists. Support your staff and your coworkers. Your team has pulled through a year of tough times. They are amazing superstars. Get them some coffee or something COVID-appropriate to eat. Support your teammates in any additional training or certifications that they wish to pursue. Their knowledge and services will help provide further value to the profession. And then if you're not really feeling it, just keep in mind that really good changes are coming. So keep up the good spirits. To wrap some things up for this special episode on Pharmacy Appreciation Month, I wanted to thank my co-hosts for their help and to you, the listener, for taking the time to listen to this episode. So until next time, we can be found on our socials. If you haven't, follow us at Pharmacy and Coffee on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. It has been a latte fun. I hope you were well caffeinated. Thank you for listening, and if you found this episode helpful, please share. For any feedback, please email us at pharmacyandcoffee at gmail.com. And remember, this episode is intended for educational purposes only. For any personalized medical advice, please see your pharmacist or other healthcare professional. And for my community pharmacists out there, you have the skills and the knowledge to make a difference. Don't be a pill barista. <laughs>